0: Good morning, good to see you this morning, um, as you've heard, my is Paul, one of the leaders here, really warm welcome to people as well, just, be, just to say for those who have filled in the past couple of weeks, we meet every Wednesday morning, early in the morning to praise elders, um, and we do that for people through word of mouth, through connections, through, through people that tell us, but to, to have those sheets, people have been using um, the sheets or the systems to pray as well, so priests can I encourage you, keep that coming, it's a blessing to us, it's good for us to be able to pray for you rightly as well as we do that. So we are in the book of 1 John today. We are, we've just come off the back of our value series and next week we're going to jump into a series working through the book of Nehemiah through till the end of January. Today's going to be a little standalone sermon. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up at 1 John. And I've chosen to do this for a number of reasons that we we as a church find ourselves in a very interesting place in, in our church life. So what I would say is the church that I am looking out at today is different to the church that I was looking out at last week. It is. It just is. I'm seeing lots of, of differences. And as I was just thinking and, and contemplating and praying this through, I came across a concept called liminal space. I don't know if you've heard of, of liminal space. But, but liminal, lim, the word liminal itself, it means threshold, like a, a precipice. So to be in a liminal space is to be on the edge of something new, but not, not quite there yet. So it's like a, a space between spaces, um, a, a space between times, a space between situations. And it, of course, it can be physical, like a corridor, for example, is a liminal space. But it can also be emotional and, and mental or situational and metaphorical. And, and studies have shown for human beings that, that being in a liminal space, this movement space, incredibly uncomfortable for people incredibly uncomfortable some of you here we have got some of the youth here you're actually starting new schools you know you started new schools in the past month some of you are moving into a different year group we've got students here some of you are actually returning to this second year coming back from having probably six months at home or something is it whatever you guys are coming back into this new year Some of you are new to the city like in this new city what's going on where am I why do he talk so funny I'll try and slow down I apologize some of you guys are thinking through new jobs and processing life changes. It could be physical changes that, that happen to us through life. We have physical changes that happen to both men and women in their, their teens, their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s. We move through life and we change. And as a church, we, we move through these spaces too. And I think we as a church are in a liminal space. As you've heard from the past three weeks, we as a church are seeking to reach Merseyside with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe the best way to do that is planting of of churches, through churches planting churches. So what that means is we send out teams of people. And over the last decade, we've sent out three, or planted three different churches, which means that we've sent out three groups of key people. And last week, if you were here last week, and many of you weren't, I understand that, but let me tell you what happened. We had 15 people all lined up here. And they have moved to help to go to revitalize a church on the north side of Liverpool, Oral Park Baptist Church. That's 15 members of our church family who have gone. Some of whom are gospel community leaders. Many of whom are are key people in in different ministry areas. But as well as that, we've got you guys here today. Lots of new folks. Some of you have joined in the past few months. We've actually, last week... Realize we've got in the membership process, coming into membership, eight people. That's a lot. So we are, folks, a new people in many ways. We are starting today off looking forward as kind of like a family. And we have been, by no accident. we've been brought together by God at this point in time, in this liminal space, this threshold, to move forward through it as a church. So what I wanna say today, is to help you guys, to help us, to help us move, yes, through the liminal spaces, those, those movements that we all have in our life, and many of you are facing individually now. But also as a church, for us to move forward together through this. And there's three things I want to focus in on. One is joy, one is love, and one is excitement. So let me pray, and then we'll jump straight into 1 John. Father, I thank you so much that we get to do this, that we get to gather, that we get to be here at this moment in time, united by your Spirit through your Son, that we get to come to you to ask for your help, to be in your presence. So, Father, I just pray by your Spirit, remind us of your goodness and your grace. Give us a joy deep down in our heart as we hear these words spoken, Father, from your word. Remind us again that you love us. And, Father, drill down into our heart an excitement, An excitement for the future that is held out before us as your children. Amen. So first of all, first of all, receiving and sharing joy. Look at 1 John with me. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. First of all, what I want to say is really important as we move through life and through these stages and through these times, it is vital to remember that joy is something that we receive in our fellowship, our relationship with God. It's joy. I'm not talking about that transient happiness. I'm talking about the joy, the the experience that all of God people have all the time because of our relationship by the Spirit through the Son with God the Father. It's a story that that John will actually remember because he was there in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus Christ sends out 72 disciples on this kind of like a short-term mission strip. And the disciples, they come back dead excited and they've been amazed. They're like buzzing because of what God's been doing through them. And they say to Jesus, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus basically, I'm paraphrasing it, he says, that's great. That is great. I've given that authority to you. But don't rejoice that the demons submit to your name. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And that's a key lesson for us moving forward here today. Where is our joy found? It's not found in the doing. It's not found in being a church planting church. Primarily, it's not found in having a good GC. It's not found in being a good Christian or a good person. But true biblical joy is only found in our fellowship, our relationship with God. And it's so important for us. Because I know from spending time with you guys, and I know from my own work, that many of you today are struggling for joy. And I know that I can struggle for joy too. Changes in life, what they do, they can push those buttons. And joy, you can like, trying to almost fight for it, what's going on, it's affected. And the call here today is to remember that joy comes from God. And to remind ourselves, how do we access that joy, the joy that we have? just to remind ourselves of the simple truth of the gospel, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, an eternal God an eternal relationship in an eternal relationship of perfect joy, perfect life, perfect peace Father, Son, Holy Spirit have this joy that I'm talking about, they always have had it and they always will have it But, but we don't as human beings in our condition of sin because we've been separated from fellowship with God who is the source of that joy and the apostle John this is the apostle John's writing this letter here he's the last apostle apostle arrived as he writes this and what he's saying he's saying him and the other apostles they they saw Jesus they heard him they touched him they saw him live they saw him die they saw him rise again and they saw him ascend to the father and John is saying through this man through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, we can have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ in our human condition. In this earth right now, we can have fellowship with God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And joy which is given by the Holy Spirit flows from fellowship with God the Father which comes to us through the Son. Through Jesus, we are brought in to eternally perfect, an eternally perfect relationship with God our Father. That fellowship with our Father is where joy is found and received. We need to be reminded of that again and again and again and again and again. So, if you want to experience joy, if you want to have that full experience of joy again, where do we go? We turn to the Father. He is the only place that we can find it. I love running. And I'm a sweaty man. <laughs> so, when I run, I get thirsty. And I can stand next to the sink saying, I'm thirsty, I'm parched, I'm thirsty. Just stand next to it. But there's a tap there. I can go to the tap, can't I? Can I have a drink? Because that's where the source of the water is. And I can receive and have my thirst quench. We receive joy. Okay, we don't attain, we receive joy from our fellowship with God. He is the source of joy. Jesus says this if anyone thirsts, that's you today, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus invites us all through the gospels. Here today, he says, come and drink of this living water. Receive the joy of fellowship with God. I keep remembering the joy is received from God. Because the tendency of the human heart is to do something, to fix something. And Christians, we do the same here. And it can be my tendency. We tend to think, okay, just do more Bible reading. Just do more devotional. Just do more quiet times. Just do more prayer. And we miss what's actually happening. And we are getting time here. We are getting to spend time with our Father. Through Jesus, by the Spirit. Joy is received in fellowship with God. Second of all, the joy that we receive is also to be shared. And joy actually increases as it's shared. That seems to be the flow of what's going on here and what's has So what that means is in our church family here as we gather today, we experience the joy of fellowship with God together. I don't know about you, but singing those songs before I stood up, wasn't it just wonderful? just wonderful we've got a group of people here lifting their voices united with all all the believers and the angels in heaven praising and worshiping and beholding the lord jesus christ that is good for our hearts and i'd love it just hearing and hearing you sing i love turning just to my left and seeing people with the, their arms up. that encourages me i'm like wow praising god i actually almost wanted to drop to my knees to think wow who am i how worthy is he As Michael just led us in singing that worthy, 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 that is a joy. That does a joyful thing in my heart. I receive joy and we share it one to another. So if if you're thinking what you mean when we gather together that we share joy and it's increased, that's it. We are now opening up God's word together, hearing from him. We're going to take communion together. We're going to carry on singing together. We're going to be together. Many people will share the day together. There is a joy that is shared with God's people in fellowship. And it's deeper because of that shared fellowship. And so what that means, folks, that isolating as a Christian is depriving yourself of that shared joy. If you are new here, many of you are. Many of you are new to the city or returning in the second year. I'm gonna say that you're gonna to struggle to be a Christian in isolation. Don't take too long to settle into a church. Engaging with God's people is a blessing. And can I say this, it's not just a blessing to you. We need to realize this. This is a blessing always. We are a blessing to each other as we gather on a Sunday morning. But there's also, I believe, where John goes to in verse 3 and 4, there's a joy in proclamation. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Do you hear what he's saying there? John wants other people to know who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ so that they can share this joy. He wants other people to know so they can share it in that fellowship, the word he keeps using, using the fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with him and with others. And that's one of his motivations for proclaiming the gospel. He wants to share this joy. What an opportunity we have in this liminal space as we find ourselves in, to proclaim and fix our gaze on Jesus, to receive the joy and proclaim the name of Jesus with joy. See folks, that's our task. It hasn't changed since last week. It hasn't changed since last year. It hasn't changed over the decades. To proclaim the name of Jesus Christ so the people have fellowship with God and us. We keep banging the same drum, why? Because it's good for us to hear and the gospel bangs the same drum. We looked at 2 Corinthians last week. Where Paul was saying that he can't help but share the love of Jesus. The love of Christ controls him, propels him to share it. So we are, you are, ambassadors for Christ. You are messages of reconciliation. What's that reconciliation? Reconciliation is restored fellowship with God. It's what John's talking about. We have, folks, the words of eternal life, we have words of freedom. We have words of forgiveness. We have words of joy that the world desperately needs. I don't know about you, but I can just spend, Andrew, give us that conversation. How many conversations in the workplaces or the schools and we hear them, we're like, people are just desperate for the joy that we have. Desperate. And folks, if you've been rescued, because we have, we've been rescued from sin and death and slavery to sin. We've been rescued by Jesus Christ. What that means is you are now on the rescue team you are now on the rescue team, all of us, everyone here today, Even if this is your first day, welcome to the rescue team. There's a story from a, a few years ago, I was, read it in the paper last, a couple of years back, and it was about two divers in Mallorca. These guys, they were doing that, that swimming that, that some of these mad folks do, <laughs> I have to say, through these underground cave systems. I don't know if you've seen anyone do that, but it just blows my mind, it gives, gives me nightmares, I'll be honest. But they went under this underground cave system, all dark, under the water, a kilometer in, and the guide rope snapped. They get out by the guide rope. That's what they do. The guide rope snapped. So what they did, they found a cave, the nearest cave they could find with a little bit of of air at the top of it, and they planned what to do, and what they decided was they didn't have enough um, oxygen. They were kind of close to the edge of their oxygen, so they they decided to give one person both oxygen tanks and for him to try to find a way out and then come back and get them. So that's what they did. Miraculously, this guy gets out. Now just picture that for a second. He's out. He's free. What's he going to do? What's he going to do now? I'm hoping you're thinking that's not even a choice. There's not even a choice what he's going to do. He's been given this task. Oh, he's, got, he's got this freedom. He's got this life. What's he going to do? Is he going to leave his friend in the dark? Is he going to leave his friend in death? When he has the means of life. No. What's he going to do? He's going to use everything that he has to save this man. With an urgency. Because he doesn't know when the end is going to come for this guy. He doesn't know when the oxygen is going to run out. He's got an urgency. So every breath, every moment, every resource that he has, he's going to use it, utilize everything in his life to save this man. It turns out he tried drilling. They wanted to drop food down into the cave and water. And what he then did, he started to draw in other people, other divers who knew the cave systems. And it was actually another friend of his who found him in the cave system and guided him out. Folks, we have a task to proclaim Jesus Christ so that people would be saved. We are on a rescue team. We have the words of eternal life, words of joy and peace and rest. You are on God's rescue team. And so we do this together. Cornerstone Church, Liverpool, we are a team. We are a team, praying and supporting one another. We are to shape our lives around this God-given, eternally significant task together. Not giving up on the first try, because imagine if you did that. Not giving up on the first try, but persisting in love, using every moment that we have, every resource, every situation for this purpose. And that's the first, first thing as we enter into that liminal space that I'm talking about, that we have joy from fellowship with God. We receive it, and we are to share it share it, together with God's people and to the world around us. Second of all, we receive and we share love. Last week um, on Friday, eight of us, we were, we were invited into, there's a school over the road called Dovedale Primary School that many of the, the kids from the church go to. And um, my wife Bonnie works there and was invited in with a group of people to the year five lessons to actually talk through as part of a Christianity, a lesson on religion, the views of Christians. So they said would people, and so there eight of us, so we, there's four classes, two went into different classes and it was a wonderful time, it really was. But the questions were so interesting. Some of them were really hard. But the questions were so interesting. And, and I went in with Sam, Sam Ichbeth over here. And basically, as we were there, towards the end of it, one of the questions was, how would you get to heaven? That was kind of the premise of it. And then once you kind of got around it and we answered it, well, how can we be good enough to get, get to heaven? And one kid put his hand up and said, so what if I did 50 good things and 50 bad things? Would I still get there? See, that's the natural movement of the human heart. I need to make myself right before God. Am I good enough? The kind of this inner motivation to earn God's love, this kind of treadmill. Am I good enough? Does he love me? I had yesterday morning two Jehovah's Witnesses knock on the door to which I had the same conversation. It was all about getting into heaven and what they had to do to get into heaven. It's crippling. crippling. Are we good enough to get into heaven? Are we good enough for God's love? That's the the question that people seem to back away from as they move forward into it with fear. But a Christian's motive, a Christian motive, a child of God is not to get love. We never, we never earn that love from God. I have to say that we never earn love from God in that way. But we are motivated by love, Because God has already displayed his love to us. That's the truth that every Christian here today needs to hear. And that you need to hear every single day of your life. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Christianity is really simple at the heart. God loves you. Look what Jesus has done for you. God loves you. As you reflect on the past, and many of you are today, and that's what happens as we move through these spaces, we just naturally go into reflection mode. And I'm looking at my life, reflect, knowing that God loves you. God loves you. As you struggle through the present, God loves you. As you look to the future, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Chapter 4 8 in this letter, John says, God is love. God within his very nature, his very being, is love. He, he naturally, within his being, moves towards others. He moves for others' good. And God in this letter makes that really abstract concept really, really concrete for us. Chapter 4, verse 9 to 10, if you want to read it, it be up on the screen, but please read it in the context of this letter as well. In this, the love of God was made manifest, that means made visible, among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God's love was made manifest, made visible. How? Jesus Christ We laugh, don't we, sometimes, the Sunday school answer, Jesus Christ. It's such a simple answer, Jesus Christ. What did John say right at the start? We heard, we saw, we looked, we touched. The ultimate act of love was the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son in human flesh, to die for us. God's love displayed visibly for the world to see. We don't love God first. He doesn't then reciprocate and love us back. It's the opposite. And there's freedom in this, folks, because we're all in this position and we all veer towards this position. Romans 5, 8, God chose his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He came at great cost, a great sacrifice to himself. True, perfect love. He took our place, so we deserve God's punishments because of our rejection of God, because of our sin. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he took it upon himself. He took the wrath. He stands between us and God's anger. He takes that wrath, he he averts God's anger so that we can stand pure and right and free before God. That's what that propitiation means. God loves you. God loves you. You doubt that, look to Jesus. How can you doubt it? Look at him. We will not move forward if our motivation is to get God's love. It's going to exhaust you. It's going to rob your joy. But we can move forward through these uncomfortable times that you're all going to find yourself in through all of your life, and even now as a church, we can move forward because we've received God's love. Child of God, God loves you. He will always love you. And this is the amazing truth of the gospel that there will never be a time. There will never be a time in your life where God doesn't love you. Do you believe that today? There will never be a time in your life that God doesn't love you. Neither death, Lord, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves us. God loves you. But that love doesn't stop there. It's really interesting as you, as you read the flow of, of John's letter. So that joy that we talked about, that we've just kind of been, been speaking about, it's completed as it's shared with others. So we receive God's joy and it's then completed as we share it with others. And it's the same idea with love. Love is completed as it's worked out from us. So love is worked out as we love, we live for and serve others. Chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Beloved. If God so loved us, E.D., loved, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And the question that seems to be running through John's letter, if you read it in its entirety, is if you're not living a life of loving service, have you truly received God's love? Chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and it's key and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him how does God's love abide in him little children let us not love in word or talk but in deed and in truth do you see John's point here love that we receive is worked out in deed and truth one to another We are to move forward, motivated by God's love to serve one another. There are many ways to serve each other at Cornerstone Liverpool. Most, very, very, very simple. Just everyday loving acts, thoughtful gestures, prayers for for one another. That could be a text or a a phone call or a visit. It could be a blessing of certain people in certain ways. On, On Friday morning, I received a text. In fact, the text was to me and someone else in our gospel community, me and Miles, and it was a proper blessing to me on Friday morning to receive that text. It really was. My heart was stirred, properly stirred, with a love for Jesus. Every Sunday morning when I'm preaching, I get a text off Marion with a Bible verse encouraging me. Every Sunday morning. And if you know me, you realize how encouraging and edifying that is for me. Just little things. It took 10 minutes. These little things, little ways of blessing and serving and loving each other that are just all around if we were to just open our eyes and see them. But there's also maybe stepping forward in gospel community. We bang this drum. Why? Because we love you. Do you speak to anyone in Cornerstone Church Liverpool who has come in? to gospel community that's maybe spent a couple of years out, they will tell you that actually stepping into gospel community has been the means for them to be safe as a Christian, to have people pray for them, to know people, to serve, and to be blessed. And that's serving, and I, and I, and I put it in this context of love serving one another because I actually say that, that stepping forward could be the way that you serve today. It might be connecting in today, stepping into family life here. And folks, it might be, and I speak to those who are part of a gospel community, it might be just as simple as being there. Because that's all you can manage right now. That's okay. We all go through these times. It might just be really difficult for you in life right now. We get that. We understand and we want to be gracious. Maybe just being there quietly is a struggle for us to pray for you. Is a blessing for others. But it might be offering to host. It might be taking some of the responsibility of leadership. And speaking to the leaders. How can we help you? How can we take some of this burden? It might be on a, on a Sunday. To see your time. here. We are here for, for around two hours. It's around roughly what it is that you will be here for from start to finish. It might be on a Sunday. It might be they say, oh, well, I'll come early and I'll pray for the service and pray for people. It might be that you, you see that your time here during these two services is not to come to sit on a pew and then to walk out at the end of the service, but to see that your time is here for other people. It's easy to be a consumer. It really is. Society tells us that's what we are all the time. We can come and we can go depending upon our preferences. But God's love calls us to more. It actually calls us to being uncomfortable, to operate outside of your comfort zone. It's the healthiest place to be. So it might mean being uncomfortable by talking to someone, connecting to people. It might be having people over. There are some folks today who are having people back. Please come and see the connecting, come and see myself, and come and see and we'll point you in the right direction of where that might be. There was an older couple, who came to the church for many, many years. They've, they've just moved to the Lake District called John and Jan. And up till COVID, at that point, they were having people back every single Sunday. Every Sunday, you just knew their home would be open, those people would be there. would just be a big mix of people. What a ministry, what a ministry. You did not realize how much that built the church. Could that be your ministry? Opening your home every Sunday and blessing people and having people around. It might be serving on teams, folks, children, and crash at the moment. We have a real need. Come and speak to us. If you're thinking, I don't know where to save, what's my gift in? Well, I'm telling you there's a gap. Come and see us. There's a place here that, in the church that needs your help. Would you be willing to step into that gap? If you're caused in a downward spiral emotionally, mentally, spiritually, a great thing to do and to ask, as the world seems to shrink around you when you go through these times, is how can I bless others? It's a great way to stop yourself shrink, shrinking and sliding. So the second thing to remember in this liminal space is that we are loved by God and we are to display that same love one to another. And the third thing is an excitement for the time to come. We are in a liminal space as a church. That's today's buzzword, isn't it? I'll probably never again say it in my life, but there you go. We are between two spaces. And I'm going to be honest, folks, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. I found it really uncomfortable. Yeah, last week was a proper good celebration, but there's so much going through my head for us as a church, it really was. And I know many of you are feeling that same thing. And we have been as a church over the past 13 years, I think in that liminal space. After planting and sending, there is a transition. There is a transition. Put this alongside COVID and what that, that did for us, relationally, put it alongside the fact we've just moved into this new building. And then last year, we sent out two groups of people a year, just over a year ago, to Hope Church in Kenny, 15 people. And then um, last week, 15 people again to Oral Park Baptist Church. It can feel uncomfortable. In fact, it can feel tiring. It can feel a bit like, oh, we go again. We go again. That's what it can feel like. We can experience it, not just in those areas, but in, in disciple making as people grow. As more people come to the church, there's a need to to change and to adapt into our new family, to love and to care for the people that God in his grace has brought amongst us. We don't just carry on as everything was, no, we're a new people, who are we? Who are the people that God has put around you? Get to know them, how do we change and adapt in that way? It can be uncomfortable in experiencing gospel communities. You see, gospel communities by their nature, they, they multiply and adapt as people organically grow, adapt, change and move. So our gospel community, for example, we we lost six people. We sent six people. Sorry, let me put it positively. We did send six people. But actually, as we met this week, we'd also lost six people. They weren't there anymore. Now celebrate that. That's great. But you know what? That's also grief. That's hard. It leaves gaps. And they're not with us. So what do we do through these changes? How do we process those changes in the right way? We can feel, and I know I can feel this, we can feel a panic. We can feel a fear or anxiety. We can feel a a grief. Some people actually sent family members last week, people who were really close to them and helped them through difficulty We experience grief through these moments. We can also feel a pressure of of what if, what if? As key people move on, influential people, because people that are moving to new areas of the city are those who have really bought into the church here and serve in a number of different ways. And it can leave us feeling very vulnerable it can leave us feeling very uncomfortable. But, but I think as I read God's word, and I hope as you do too, I hope that we realize that that's the space we should be living in more often than not. And maybe we should be more fearful when we're not in that space. Because if we're honest, there's a battle raging in every Christian's heart, I know it ranges in my heart, for comfort. We want a retreat. We want our own space. We want our own people that we can just relax and be safe with. We want our own things. I'm like that. I know you can be like that. We want to live for now and not for then. But love and joy from God should motivate us and move us outwards towards others. It should move us to commit to these people that God has put us amongst through thick and thin, because it's not always plain sailing. In fact, it's very rarely, very rarely plain sailing. It can be difficult and hard, but we commit one to another through thick and thin to sacrifice personal comfort and space, to sacrifice time, to sacrifice relationships, to sacrifice resources for the good of others. See, the Christian life is lived in that liminal space. The Christian life, in its purest form on one level, is actually a space between two spaces. The Christian life is a a time between two times. The Christian life, we are between two situations, we are between two realities. 1 John 2, verse 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. The, the world that we live in, folks, this world that we know and exist in, it's passing away. It's broken. The Bible tells us that it's been subjected to futility. This world is not all that there is. It will not, and it cannot satisfy us. It has echoes of home, but it isn't home for us. It isn't home. John 2.25, and this is the promise that he made to us. Eternal life. We, God's children, have eternal life. We are passing through this life now. We are pilgrims on a journey. We are sojourners. Chapter 3, verse 1 to 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Jesus Christ is gonna return. And when he returns, we, God's people, will be transformed instantly by the weight of that vision in his presence, transformed instantly, perfected in a perfect world. That's our home in Christ. Experienced in part now, yes, but fully, fully then, we'll be with him, with Jesus. In that perfect relationship with the Father, by the Holy Spirit, the world will be perfect. There will be no fear, there will be no death, there will be no pain, there will be no separation, just perfect joy, perfect life, Perfect rest, perfect peace for God's people. That's our home. This isn't. He is our home. We are, by definition, by identity, you might say, in an uncomfortable space, between two spaces, between two times. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Just let that sink in for a moment, please. Let that sink in. In your pain, in your struggle, in your depression, in your weakness, in your desperation, in your relational turmoil, your physical pain, and all the things that are going on in your life right now, in your fears, your anxieties, your doubts, let that sink in. Let that sink in. No eye has seen, no ear heard. You can't even imagine in your wildest dreams, in your greatest, furthest reaches of your imagination. It doesn't even begin to come close to what God's prepared for you. It doesn't come close to it. That's what's ahead of you, Christian. That's what's ahead of you, child of God. That's the future. That's our destination. That's our home. And that has to shape our lives now. Pilgrims on a journey, excited for that time to come. This is not the end of the road for anyone, folks. It's another fresh beginning for us. There is still so much work to be done that God has given us. And what do I mean by us? You guys. Cornerstone, Liverpool, everyone in this room. Here now today. Folks, we have planted four churches. Let's call it what it is, with a few hundred people in. Praise God that we've done A few hundred people but there's 1.4 million people in Merseyside. 1.4 million people. Our job is not to be comfortable. Our job is to be uncomfortable for the gospel. We are the rescue team. We are the rescue team. We are God's rescue team here at this point in time, at this place in time. And we've been given a task. There are people all around me and you that need rescuing. If you're new here today, I'll say it again. Welcome to the rescue team. There is work to be done. And so receiving and sharing joy, receiving and sharing love and excitement, let's move forward together. Knowing that God has worked through us. Praise God for that. Don't lose sight of what he has done. Be thankful because it's him that, done it, that has done it through us. Him knowing that he's gonna continue to work through us. And as I close, let me just remind you again, you're gonna be in these liminal spaces at many points in your life. We're gonna be in that liminal space at many points in our church life. I feel destabilizing, I feel disorientating, but each time you enter in, whether or not that's life stages or grief, physical, students, jobs, grief, whatever it is that's going on. Remember this. God loves you. You have joy in and from Him. And you have a truly blessed future beyond anything that you can imagine. Let me pray. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Father, we we want to walk in light of that verse right now. Help us, I pray, as we take this communion, this bread and this wine, to know that we have eternal life. Father, by your spirit, just remind us of your love again. Father, there are people in this room who are really struggling to believe that you love them. Father, I pray that this would be a real experience for them to know that, and to not just know it today, but to walk in that love. Father, I pray that as we take this now, you will give us such a deep sense of the joy that we have in fellowship with you. Father, we ask that you would fill our hearts with joy, with love, and with excitement for the time to come. Your promises are true because you made them and you are God. Fill our hearts with excitement. Father, help us to be uncomfortable. Help us not to be satisfied with comfort, but to be dissatisfied. Even here as we take this bread and this wine, just being reminded of what it took for us to have fellowship with you, not your comfort. The sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ who calls us into that very same work, Father, to go and be a messenger of reconciliation, Father. Help us to be uncomfortable for the gospel in every part of our lives, please, rightly so. Help us to walk this, I pray, as a church. Amen. It's the bread and the wine. It's gonna go round. Now, if you're not a believer here today, I just ask that you would let this, this pass. The Bible says this is for, for believers. But we'd love to speak to you after and to pray with you. But as this goes round, guys, let's remember the love and the joy that we have and the excitement. And also ask this question as we take this. What is my part in this, Lord? When the time is right, the guys just lead us to responding and singing.